0: And I took a blade off of the Z-Man Shatterbait. And I. What? Hurt.
1: Lure love. I can't get enough. Got a space in my tackle box. Just got to fill it up. Lure love. I can't ever stop. Don't got a basement. Got an underground tackle shop. Wow, what a past couple of months it has been. I know, testing and researching, catching and releasing.
2: And you both have done some traveling too.
1: Heck yes. I went to central Massachusetts to see my daughter, and she had me bring her some rods and reels and lures because she wants to try fishing on her own. That's so exciting to me because, you know, we've always fished together, but this is the first time she's asked for gear, so now
2: she can go out with her friends. Did you catch a lot of fish while in Massachusetts?
1: Well, we caught fish, but we never came across a real honey hole. What we were really trying to do is just find a good bluegill pond more than anything else. We had fish fry visions, but it didn't pan out. Ha ha.
2: Tim says the trout fishing can be really good in that area. He grew up there.
0: That's right. The Deerfield River used to be one of my favorite places to fish and to swim. You need to check it out, Crappy Hippie. But parts of it are fly fishing only. So be careful. I don't want to have to bail you out of jail because you're using a spinning rod in a fly fishing only area.
1: (laughs) Come on, Tim, don't worry. I always check the regs carefully wherever I go. I mean, come on. Would I ever do anything to embarrass the podcast? Oh, no, never.
2: Speaking of trips out that way, Tim was able to make it to Kansas City for a conference. He told me you two got together for some first-rate barbecue.
1: Oh, yeah, it was awesome. I mean, that's what you do when you come to KC. You find a friend to take you out to go eat at one of our many, many world-class barbecue places. It was a great place, too. I got to try barbecue
0: in both Kansas City, Kansas and Kansas City, Missouri. Double header.
2: Which was better?
0: I don't know. I, I can't really pick. Both Slaps and Q39 were really good. Q39 is kind of hip and nice without being too upscale. Still has that kind of barbecue joint feel, but Slaps is more of what you would expect. It's screened in dining. We sat on this upstairs outdoor patio that was really cool. There's a line out the door and all the food is served on those disposable dishware on metal trays and it was great. And thanks to Kathy, I am now a huge fan of Burnt Ends.
2: Did you do any fishing?
1: There really wasn't time. Yeah, I kind of wanted to sneak a couple of rods in the car and then maybe go down to call point and try for some big cats. See, it's right there at the confluence of the Kansas River and the Missouri. The call is what Kansas River is to us, candid. See, the First Nation people who lived around this area called themselves the Kansa or the call. I mean, the whole state's named for them. And people rarely call the Missouri River by its official name either. It's generally nicknamed the Mo. But we didn't get to go down there.
0: My schedule was so tight. I was busy from morning until night, and sipping and fishing on the river sounded good, but it had the potential of distracting me for what I was ostensibly there to do. So I said, just grab Kathy and guide me to a good barbecue joint instead of a fishing hole, and that's what we did.
2: To think after working together on podcasts for three years, you two finally got to shake hands.
1: Shake hands? To pull a quote from the movie Tommy Boy, brothers don't shake hands, brothers hug. (laughs) but you're
0: right, Lucy. It's amazing to me how we did so much together without actually meeting in person.
1: Of course, next time it's our turn to get out to Dayton for a day or two. We can let Kathy run around and go picking and Tim and I can sneak off and fish somewhere. I never fished in Ohio and I sure'd like to change that.
2: That would be a memorable time for us all. I am sure. Okay. Now let's get started. Who wants to talk about I cast?
0: I do. I do.
2: Of course we do. It is the largest outdoor retailer show in the United States. ICAST stands for International Convention of Allied Sport Fishing Trades. People come from all over the world to take part in it. ICAST began in 1957 and has grown year by year. This year more than 12,000 industry insiders came to Orlando, Florida to attend. All aspects of fishing gear are represented, including lures. Hundreds of lures from more than 130 different companies.
0: See, ICAST is not a fishing or outdoor show like they have in the late
1: winter all around the country. Yeah, you can't just show up in Orlando and bypass and go into ICAST. It's only for outdoor gear and fishing tackle insiders like buyers
2: and company reps, pro staffers, fishing celebs, designers, and journalists. Indeed, it is for those active in the outdoor business to meet and make connections, look over new products, and take orders. These are the people who, since 1957, have voted on the Best in Category and Best in Show Awards.
1: Yeah, it's one heck of a show. And I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lures on display. I think there were 130-some lure vendors there. Uh, lots of good stuff. Tim, did anything catch your eye? I like
0: the Fish Lab Bio Rat. It's a large topwater bait. It obviously looks like a huge rat, just a huge honkin' rat. It comes in a seven and a half inch size and then the Mongo 10 inch version, five different colors, including my favorite. It's a bright purple with a yellow tail. I think they call it morning dawn. And these bio rats, they can be fished fast or slow on a straight wind, or you can walk the dog with them. The baits come standard with an easy-to-replace tail section, which is kind of nice. Because, you know, in those kind of baits, sometimes the tails get ripped off by a a fish or a snag or something. Um, And they also have these custom spinning feet that give off a huge splash. It reminded me, remember that movie Willard, when all the rats attacked? (laughs) I could think was, they should be making a horror movie about the fish lab bio rat attack.
1: (laughs) I love it. I love it. It sounds like it. I, I'm just sitting here picturing the kind of fish that are going to go for that has really got me, you know, buzzed. The other thing that I like that I saw was the Bass
0: Mafia Dangerous Swim Bait, designed by Bassmaster Elite Series Pro Chris Saldane. The bait has a realistic body and it's a, a natural swimming action, a paddle tail, but they're hand painted And what I really like about them is they have these yellow eyes that are very cool. They really pop out. They're forward-looking, holographic eyeballs. And the baits have a flattened underbelly, which they say gives them some stability. Sometimes those baits can roll a little bit during your retrieve, and so that keeps them from rolling. And they also have dual hook slots for multiple rigging options. And there's a split dorsal fin, which is one of the things I really look for in a swim bait now. Okay, Crappy Happy, let me hear your choices.
1: Well, you know, I have a lot and I I don't want to get into all of them because, uh, you know, I, you um me, I tend to overdo it. But I, the one that really caught my eye, and I think it's for reasons of nostalgia. Is, I like that live targets new ultimate frog, which in my mind has brought the frog game back to its origin. And that it very much resembles an old time Bill Plummer type frog. And if you're not familiar with the old Bill Plummer frogs, they looked like frog toys or frog decoys. I mean, they were very representational. There weren't skirts to, you know, imitate kicking legs, but actual molded plastic legs and you know what i'm talking about is an accurate representation of a real frog so when i saw live target marketing this lure i was absolutely fascinated and i want to know more i want to know the specifics i want to know what plastic it's made from and so on and so forth because it looks really tasty but i really need to know what makes this repop worth the 17 bucks they want okay lucy we've had our say now tell us what looked good to you
2: it's a tough call We have done so many stories and have made so many friends with the podcast that it is hard to decide. However, I think one needs to apply their own standard of excellence when choosing. It is not about what a tackle rep thinks about the bait, but how it applies to what I am doing and where I fish. I like the Z-Man Hellraiser and Berkeley Gulp Surf Bites.
1: Ooh, those are good choices too, Lucy. I I just got to get and check both y'all's choices out in detail.
2: Now let's take a look at what the experts in the outdoor business voted for. There are over 30 categories of outdoor gear on the ballot. Things like rods and reels, as well as camping gear, apparel, sonar, and other electronics. However, we are only interested in the six categories that have to do with fishing lures. Spoiler alert. Allure did not win best in show this year. A small company won for their cooler vacuum sealer combined machine. They were a first time exhibitor which makes the triumph even more remarkable. You know, those
1: coolers really are cool. I mean, it takes preserving the catch for the table to a higher level. The cooler was invented for backcountry salmon fishing, where that rich, tasty fish needs to be processed right away and kept cold until a fishing trip of potentially several days is over. But I think anyone could make good use of that unit. I mean, our friend, Jeff Donaldson, who we met on the Fish Nerds podcast, that guy, he gets very chefy about the culinary care of Fish Waterside. I mean, when I think about him with that cooler, I know he would just love to
2: have... Crappy Hippie? Yes, Lucy? Is this a podcast about really cool coolers? No, Lucy. Shall we change the name of the podcast to Cool Coolers with the Cool Cooler Cool Dudes?
1: No, Lucy. Wait a minute, though.
2: You know, that
1: is a pretty tempting concept. I could retire Crappy Hippie and be Cool Cooler Cool
2: Dude number one. As usual, this is starting to derail.
1: It sure
0: is. Let's just say there's a great story behind the best in show win, and we have a link to it in the show notes. But I am not going to start another podcast. We barely can keep this one up and going, and I am not playing second fiddle as cool, cooler, cool dude number
1: two. Well, you could be cool, cooler, cool dude number one, buddy. I'm
2: fine with that.
1: Well,
0: in that case, I might have to make the time.
1: Cool, cooler,
0: cool dude number one. Yeah, I'm starting to like the sounds of that.
2: On behalf of the listeners, I am putting my track drive down and demanding a stop to your freeform musings. Let's get on with the winning lures.
0: Okay, sorry, Lucy. Let me start with our friends at Z-Man who took home two Best in Category awards.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. One was for the best saltwater soft lure, and it's called the Z-Man Kicker Crab Z. Now here are some descriptions of it. I'm just going to kind of ad lib this. I took this off the fishing wire. This was the creation of Z-Man president, and saltwater angler, Daniel Nussbaum and the kicker crab Z, one of the best looking crab baits out there because it actually mirrors the sideways swimming action of a live crab. A lot of real realistic crab lures, but I guess most of them meant to be on the bottom, just kind of sitting there. This is one that's meant to be retrieved and it has a little, little curl tail. So it has like a claw trailing along behind it, which I guess is very similar to true to life motion. Tim, you fished in the ocean. Is, 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 is this what's going on with this bait? Does it look real crab like to you? Yeah, it sure did. I mean, not in the exact
0: shape of a crab, but in the motion when I was a kid. I would go out on these salt flats, and you would see the the crabs coming in with the tide, and they scurry along the the bottom. They're kind of half running, half swimming. The blue crabs did, and this looked like a great imitation. So, would you try it out where you live there in Ohio? Well, I don't see why not. You know, a lot of these saltwater baits you can use in freshwater too. It's not a big, huge saltwater bait. It's not like something that you know only huge striped bass are going to be able to eat. It's a good size for freshwater. I know large mouth and small mouth would eat this crab. No problem. It's just three and a half inches. So I think where you're fishing shallow water in a river or something like that, it would look a lot like a crayfish or just something scurrying along the bottom. It might even look like a
1: small turtle. So I think it'd be a great freshwater bait too. Well, I agree completely. And they're very excited over at Z-Man because they've accounted for seven different species with the bait, including largemouth bass. And they're looking for people to send in information and pictures and so forth about other species that they catch on the crab Z. So I'm thinking maybe I'll take it down the river and try for some big old drum. I think they'll find that very attractive.
2: I would dose the daylights out of mine and procure crawfish scent and try it out on catfish. Catfish? Oh, yes. Blue cats are especially aggressive hunters, as are flatheads. But the main thing I notice when we go catfishing is that you and Tim have a very hard time sitting still and watching your line. But if you could throw out a set line and then fish a lure at the same time, our catch ratio would get better. Remember last time we went?
1: Well, yeah, I did miss several strikes because I was chasing
0: butterflies. And I missed a couple chances because I was doing sandwich concepts with flat rocks and milfoil.
2: But now you can set out a baited line and then throw your Z-Man kicker crab Z. And fish it low and slow for those whisker trout. It'll keep your eyes and mind on fishing, rather than rock sandwich stacking, or running into a tree while pursuing a zebra swallowtail.
1: And if we catch a flathead, or a blue, or a channel? Or a quillback, or a buffalo, or a gar? Then we could be the ones to add a species
2: to Z-Man's list. Oh, they'd be so proud of us. Please remember that I am proud of you no matter what.
0: Oh, Lucy! on the next category where Z-Man took the top prize was in the terminal tackle category, the Z-Man Diesel Eye Jig Head. Now this jig head is built for big, tough predators. Its hallmark is this eye strike 3D eye design that creates a prominent strike target for fish. I love lure eyeballs. It comes in a heavy duty 6.0 or an 8.0 black nickel needle point hook. And these hooks are super sharp. And the jig head has dual conical keeper barbs that grip those elastic plastics so they won't come off. And, you know, John, in my opinion, those keeper barbs, that's one of the most important features of a jig head. If your plastic bait doesn't stay on that jig head, then what good is it? And these also have a molded retainer collar that accepts easy skirts from Z-Man for dressing up a soft plastic presentation. So these jig heads, they're great with large baits, your five inch or your seven inch diesel minnow Zs. And the jig heads come in six weights. These are big from three eighths of an ounce all the way up to three ounces.
1: Whoa, that's a honker. Now, the thing about the eyes on this, they really are fantastic. But uh, the, the idea that, uh, fish target the eye of a forage fish, I would like to see the research around that theory. What do you think, Tim?
0: Yeah, I don't know. You know, ice fishers, especially will use that fish eye for bait. And there are some ice fishing lures that all they look like is a glow in the dark eye. You know, our, so our friend, Charlie McGee of bucks, bass and beyond guide service, he uses those spoons that have an eye spot on them and he swears by them. When I was fishing with him, we caught lake trout on them. And there are other jig heads with eyes, like the, the freestyle jig for crappies. Some anglers absolutely insist there has to be an eye on the lure. And they have the fishing evidence to back it up. Um, you know, and then there's the three stooges, John. Moe always targeted Curly's eyes when he went in for that poke in the eye. He got him right in there. So he didn't poke him in the nose. He didn't poke him in the chin, right in the eye. So I think even for humans, the eye is the way to go. Whoa, wow! <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. What did you do that for
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, yo. Well, I tell you, you know, three stooges had it going on because, you know, probably it's, it's, you know, it definitely is going to, you know, it's where the fish wants to hit right on the head, just like in a person, I suppose. But I'm telling you, for all you folks that like a nice big eye on a bait and you fish in the salt or you fish for big old freshwater fish, this is a jig head for you. It's a killer design. I mean, the eyes are huge, but not disproportionately so. And created on a head that has, you know, head sockets uh, sculpted onto it in a way that almost resembles car lights. I mean, you know, the eyes not like on um, Ultramento, where it's just a little cavity and you drop a little bubble eye in there. This, These are molded out. It's hard to describe, but of course, we have links in the show notes, so you'll be able to see it. Uh, but they're modeled as part of the whole head. I mean, this gets the eyes up high on the head and allows them to be twice the size of what would normally be put on a head of that weight and profile. And these are meant for these big baits.
0: I love the Z-Man 7-inch Lastech minnows. As a matter of fact, just the other night, John, I was fishing one in the test pond. Now, this is a huge, like a saltwater minnow, 7 inches, but I actually throw them weightless with a large-gauge hook so they just float on the top. And the bass go crazy for it. You just, you know, you you jerk the thing and it makes a nice splash there. It's a great summer evening evening topwater bait. Just crazy. And so I can only imagine using this jig head for stripers or something in, in saltwater. It looks like a really real winner.
2: And now comes the part where you both lament that they do not come in a smaller size for ultralight fishing.
0: I was just about to say that.
2: Are we that predictable? When it comes to your favorite form of fishing, the answer is an indisputable yes. Now moving on to our next category, which is tackle management. We have an especially fun product.
0: I'm doing this one. They do not call me Tim Tackle Box Beat for nothing, you know. Tackle management is a necessity, and it's just an obsession for a guy with as many lures as I have. You have to keep organized, and I have all sorts of tackle boxes that help me do that from my... Daiwa Tackle Barn to my 1928 Liberty Steel Chess Corporation Pocket Tackle Box.
1: Well, I think you're going to need one of these boxes, amigo. It looks mighty useful. And gosh darn it, it's really cute. What we're talking about is the Plano Edge
0: Frog Box. Sometimes specialty tackle boxes really fit a need. And this is one of them. The Edge stores up to 50 frog baits securely by the line tie. So they're both protected and organized. You don't want to store frogs by the hook because then the legs hang in the wrong direction. And sometimes they become all funkified like that. You know, they uh, the, the bent out of shape and they stay that way and it really ruins your bait. And as you said before, John, frog baits are not cheap anymore. So you buy an expensive frog bait, you don't want it ruined by hanging the wrong way in your tackle box. The Edge also has a water wick divider with a reusable moisture wicking packet to get water out of there has a dry lock O-ring seal and restrictor technology. Now that is a lot of fancy branding terms. Restrictor sounds like the evil nemesis in a Transformer movie. (laughs) Totally, man, totally. I mean, gone are the days of jumbled up dry rotted rubber frog legs and an unusable bait. So this is really an interesting thing. I can definitely see it. I always have trouble about where you store those frogs. And so I think this is a, a good thing even if you're just storing them back at your house and then bringing them out as a place to return them. And the MSRP for the edge is $54.99.
2: This box is going to help out a lot of anglers. So many frog baits get set in the grass and forgotten. But now frog ploppers everywhere can keep their favorite lures organized and ready to go, while not allowing nature to claim their best frog because it has gotten out of sight and out of mind.
0: It is definitely on my list of things I just got to have. I would get a kick out of hanging some of those old bill plumber frogs alongside the newer versions of this too.
1: All right. So that sounds absolutely awesome. And I just thought it was really, really cool, but let's get on back to some lures here. Uh, Let's jump back to the saltwater arena, Uh, best saltwater hard bait. The winner was live targets, live shrimp. Now here is a description that is posted on tackle warehouse. It says ideal for snook redfish and trout and any inshore feeding saltwater predators, The live target live shrimp accurately mimics a vulnerable crustacean exposed in open water, trying to descend into bottom cover. Now it's got all kinds of specifics. I won't go into it here and there. It's got a weight system. That's new. It's got an awesome hook. It's got the legs. It's got the swimmerettes, It's got the antenna. It's very very, well, it's live target folks. So it's very, very realistic. Um, they're very tough, durable TPE plastic. So the legs are going to stay on. You're not going to come up with one. That's all complete except, Oh no, the legs have been all bit off. It's a live target shrimp. It allows the anglers to change the rate of action and the fall on the fly by using different uh, size internal weights too. So it's, it got that first place and I can't say that they were wrong about that. Now, Tim, you have way more experience in salt than I do. What do you think of this bait? Well, I'm a a big fan of using
0: live shrimp for bait and uh, you know, all fish eat them shrimp are very vulnerable and and they're big so it's a real uh, you know good bite for the uh for the fish to eat um and it's one of the few baits that I'm willing to eat if the fish aren't biting I'm not going to eat a <laughs> night growler but I will eat shrimp and the cool thing about this is you can using that weight system you can fish it on the bottom or you can even fish it under a popping cork um so you're getting the fish's attention with the popping cork and then they they come up to look at the cork and they see this uh this Fish The shrimp bait too. Um, it's a really cool looking bait. And the one quarter ounce size is only three inches long. So here's another saltwater bait that I think would be great for freshwater too. Rivers, streams, I know bass, largemouth or smallmouth would definitely eat this.
1: Oh, I have no doubt that Largies and Smallies would definitely climb all over it. I agree completely. It's it's, it's it's something that just screams food. I mean, when it comes to designs that constantly surprise, Live Target is certainly a company that likes to push the envelope. They like to go realistic, like their hollow-bodied mouse that won the best
0: of category at ICAST in uh, 2011.
2: Oh, yeah. They're no strangers to the winner's circle. That's for sure. Tim is just going to have to take us inshore fishing. Right, Crappy Hippy?
1: Yeah, he sure does. Well, I guess I need to put that one down on our ever-growing list of things we want to do in the mystical someday, because I know somewhere between Florida and Maine, there's a speckled trout with my name on it. Whenever and wherever we make that one happen, I am
0: definitely bringing some of those shrimp lures with us in both the three-inch and the 3.75-inch. Throw them out and let those specks, reds, and stripers suck them up.
2: We are down to the last two categories. The coveted best freshwater baits, soft and hard categories. And one company took them both.
1: Is it a company that has stayed at the forefront of the tackle industry for over 80 years? Is it a company
0: whose founder is considered the father of modern fishing?
2: You guessed it. Berkeley took home both awards. The soft bait is the Berkeley Power Stinger Swimbait. It's a straight-tailed, minnow-style bladed jig trailer with a thick baitfish profile and a dense head. A dense head just like the crappy hippie in Tim. The Stinger Swimbait is great when paired with the new Berkeley Slobberknocker and comes in both 3.5 inch and 4.25 inch sizes with 12 standard colors and 4 high definition colors to match any hatch. Now the next category. Best freshwater hard bait. Berkeley won it with a fantastic bladed jig design. It's called the Slobberknocker and it is nothing like I have ever seen in a jig to date. John, what do you think of this design?
1: In a word, powerful. I mean, The jig head on this chatterbait is one heretofore unknown in the market. I mean, CGI, 3D printing, and ongoing improvements in CNC technology are really relaxing the curve between the drawing board and the production line. And that's in evidence big time on this space-age superbait. I mean, check it out, Tim. Look at this picture. I mean, the blade is not through the hook eye because there is no hook eye. That's the amazing thing about this.
0: The blade is carried by the head itself. It's actually part of the overall head shape. And So there's this oval cavity that the blade is nestled into. And there are these large cone-shaped holes that they have to be part of this whole sound amplification effect that the lure has. I've not seen anything like this, but I, I really wonder when you fish it, if it has a different feel, than most other baits like this. I have a a sense that it does. With the blade being part of the lure, it's not quite, but kind of like a lip bait. The vibration is bound to be tighter and move through the lure with a, a stronger signal as it vibrates.
1: That's what I think. And I know our friend Angie Scott saw it run at the show and she ordered a dozen of them right off.
2: Even with today's computer aids and state of the art tools, Coming up with a new take on a well-examined category like Blade Jigs demonstrates an innovative impulse, backed by the wisdom of experience.
1: Okay, now, all these baits we're talking about, they, they were announced in the June, July show, but a lot of them probably aren't going to be out until next month. A few of them are coming out here and there, but they're selling out really quick. But just get those show links. Keep checking with your retailer. And sign up to get a notification when they come in because all these companies are anxious to get these baits out and out to you and into your tackle box. So just keep checking. If you can't find them, don't get frustrated. Just know they're doing their best and they will get them out to you sometime in September.
0: And I'm going to do my best to get us in line for some of these samples so we can review some of these baits ourselves.
2: I hope you are successful. The demand is going to heat up quickly and retailers are going to find it difficult to keep them in stock.
1: No doubt. Come on, Tim, pull up your contacts pod, bro. and Let's get emailing.
2: Okay, you too. You have had several weeks to get out and fish. What have you got for us in terms of testing lures for the nice companies that sent us stuff?
1: Well, I'll start off. Uh, I have had a lot of fun checking out the 10,000 fish headhunter swim bait. I got it in our mystery tackle box that the great folks at Catch Coast sent us. Uh, I've always wanted one of these little bluegill looking swimmers. And this one has a real, real nice action on the swim at a half ounce, it is a bit heavy for the ponds I generally fish, but man, it did not leave me short on strikes wherever I tried it. Uh, the pop-out hook is a novel design and seems to work really well. It's on top and hidden by a split dorsal fin, so the bait is out of harm's way for weeds and other obstructions. Is that one of those baits with the magnet to hold the hook down? That is exactly what it is, Tim, and it is very effective in terms of weeds. The hook stays hidden down in the body slot, and the point is covered by the split dorsal fin. When a fish hits, the hook pops out like a switchblade and it gets the hook set. Now, you know, when fishing wood, you're going to have to be a little more careful because the hook is very high quality and sharp as egg. And the problem isn't nudging it over sticks and logs. Like I say, the hook's on top. But when you get into the heavy brush or you're down low into a brush pile uh, and the brush is really thick, it's easy for something overhead to sweep that that fin aside and to uh, hang the lure. So weeds. No problem. Wood, you're going to have to feel it through and be a little more careful.
0: So you can't throw it into cover with the impunity of a Texas setup.
1: Well, no, you can't. But gosh darn it, let's not fall to bait for not being good at everything.
2: So very true, John. The function of a swim bait is to swim. I think one gets the best action out of the headhunter with a steady retrieve, mid to low in the water column.
1: You know, Lucy, I would tend to agree. I mean, the best strikes I had on it was when it was free swimming but I'm still going to study ways to fish it in the hydrilla mess with the brush and so forth. That is such a typical condition around here. How many times have you taken it out? Well, see, I've only got to take it out a couple of times. Uh, so there's a lot more work to be done in terms of giving this bug its best test. However, my initial reaction is favorable and I'm keeping it in my kit full time. And, and what color were you using? Well, it's a color called Tilly and it's kind of a metallic blue and with a pink tail sort of paint job looking thing. Blue gillish with some flair, but they have another pattern called perch, please, with a lot of orange in it. And that's the one I want to get next.
2: I love the angry little face on all the colors.
1: It's fun. It's like the lure
0: is daring fish to strike it.
2: And apparently they take that dare quite easily. So, John, are you looking to up the orange because of that private lake you fish with Tommy that has all the carp in it?
1: Oh, you guessed it, Lucy. And for that spot and for points east, where there are more pumpkin seeds and yellow perch and things like that on the menu for the big fish. Okay, Tim, that's I, I've, I've gone on and on about my lure. It's your turn.
0: Well, John, you know, I like to use lure clips to make changing lures quick and easy. I hate being on the river and having to retie a new lure to fish a deeper hole and then have to tie in another one downstream where the river is shallower. So I've been using lure clips for a long time, but the problem I've had is product quality. Most of what I get are from overseas and they're not very expensive, and a lot of the clips either have too large a gap at the line tie or too large a gap at the lure opening. So sometimes I either lose lures because you're not actually pulls right off of it or you 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 know you you get a, a hit or something and the lure pops right off. But Al's Goldfish has solved the problem for me with their new Quick Clips. These clips were originally designed for fly fishing, but they are great for lures, both small lures or larger lures. And they're small enough so that they don't impact the action of the lure. I don't think fish really see them or or mind them on there. And they come in four sizes from small to extra large. The smallest is, it's pretty tiny. I mean, you can, it's designed for flies. So you can use this with, very small jigs and things. But while it's tiny, it has a strength of nine pounds. And the extra large has a strength of 40 pounds. So there's no problems there. They're super easy to tie on. I usually use a Palomar knot. And sometimes the problem that people have with a Palomar is if you're using a large lure, you have to get that loop all the way over the end. Well, these are small clips, so it's very easy to tie. You get six clips in a pack for $3, so only 50 cents per clip. Now, the old clips I were using were even less expensive, but I would lose lures now and then because of a bad clip. And I so I would have to inspect them and they're pretty small. And what I found, like everything else from L's. These are super high quality. There's no bad tolerances. And so I've switched over to them because of the lures that I was losing, and I really like them. And the larger ones are actually the best large clips that I've seen. So while they talk about using them with flies, this is a great thing for lures, unless you're on a bass boat and you have, you know, fifteen rods already hitched up, If you want to switch lures back and forth and, throw on one and then, uh, you know, a top in one place and then throw in a jig.
1: These are just great to use. Oh, I'm telling you, it was so sweet of you to bring me some when you came to Kansas city to visit. I've already had a little bitty ones out of on my fly rod because that's where I change all the time. I'm like, oh, they want olive. No, they don't want olive. Oh, they want dub body. No, they don't. Oh, they want black, you know, and I can just, just boom, boom, boom without having to, without having to, uh, retie a whole bunch. And then all of a sudden your tippet's gone down to half its length because you've cut off so much. Super, super deal. And I can't wait to use them on my ultralight and so on. So, of course, they made by owls. I had absolutely no doubt that they were going to be, you know, the best in the business. And I have absolute confidence in them. I'm just waiting to catch fish big enough to give them a real test. You know what I'm talking about, Tim?
0: Yeah. And, you know, John, even with my old clips that weren't as good quality as this, I, on my ultralight, I've hooked into some channel cats on them. We're, and you know what? No issue. I've never had a, a clip break or anything like that. And I'm not the best knot tire. And you can tie a Palomar so easily on these. And And as you said, one of the things is you don't have to replace your leader very often because you're only replacing that clip now and then, you know, maybe your line phrase or something like that. So it's not like you go out for a a trip where you change 12 lures and you have to put on a new leader. A leader can last you a lot longer. And I kind of like that because the last thing I want to do on the river is be putting on a new leader.
1: Absolutely. There's nothing about tying knots in the outdoors that I like. I don't like wind and figuring it out. I'd much rather be at home under my... Lamp with 3X glasses when I start making up leaders and and tying stuff together. So I hear you there. Now, there's something on my mind, Lucy and Tim. You know, I, I don't know about you two, but when I got something on my mind, I need to do something about it or I start getting crazy.
2: I know what you're getting at, but please be more specific.
1: Well, I have wanted to get this Berkeley Seville Magic Swimmer in the water ever since I got it. But because of work and with Kathy and I having only one vehicle at this time uh, and her business and so on, I have had one heck of a time getting out with it when the fishing was good. I've taken it out a couple of times, but it was a little too windy for that sort of a surface lure. But I finally made it to a place and had some fun.
0: Yeah, I saw you finally made it because you sent me some pics.
1: Yeah, I did. See, my nephew TJ was in town and he wanted to go fish one of our favorite ponds. So he got over to my place early and we went to the one where he's had enormous luck with the hogs and gave things a try. And? Well, we didn't hang any hogs, but we caught 20 some bass. I mean, I had over a dozen strikes in an hour on that floating model 110 magic swimmer. That's the four and three eighths inch, three eighths ounce bait. Just perfect for my medium action casting rod. And does it swim nice? Does it ever swim nice? I mean, I got a nice blow up on the first retrieve, which I missed bigger in life. And of course I started to yell and do my a Fish stomp dance around on the shore. Then I realized it was 5:45 in the morning and we were pretty darn close to the pond owner's house. It was challenging not to get hysterical because out of a dozen or more hits, I did manage to land seven fish, but like anything, there's a learning curve. And as I fished with this top water more, my hookup ratio got better.
2: Did you try any other retrieves besides a straight swim?
1: Yeah, I did. I started out with a straight swim because that's what our own swim bait consultant, Marshall Arnwine, recommended. However, I got a lot more interest in a twitch retrieve once the sun started to rise. I also got some fine action just throwing it into a hole in the hydrilla and letting it sit till I couldn't stand it anymore and then barely moving it. That was a good way to adapt the bait to your conditions. Yeah, well, thanks. But it would have been better if I'd been using a spinning rod. I'm no world-class caster to begin with and can be a complete oaf with a casting rod. A guy that can cast real well and really hit those holes in the hydrilla would have cleaned up majorly.
2: I may have to get you into a casting training regimen. (laughs) Well,
1: okay, Lucy. I mean, I sure wouldn't hurt anything except for a few unlucky bypassers getting clopped with a practice weight.
0: Well, we can always invest in the hazard sign that says spaz with casting rod and training you sidewalk at your own risk. But seriously, John, John, was it just one blow up after another?
1: No, really, honestly, it was. That first hour until the sun got over the trees. But then actually, when the sun started hitting the water, something funny happened.
2: Funny, strange, or funny, ha
1: Funny, strange, that became more of an aha than a ha-ha. What do you mean, fill us in? Well, I started getting a lot of little sips and sucks on the lure instead of crashing slams. And I just thought they were ambitious bluegills, so I didn't even bother setting the hook. But finally, as we were you know, rounding out and thinking about leaving, I said, to heck with it and try to catch one, and it turned out to be a nice little chunk bass, about a pound and a half.
2: Speaking of Marshall Arnwine, when he was on the show, he told you guys that a strike on a swim bait can be anything from a small click to a cannonball.
0: And Marshall spends most of his time fishing big swim baits, but the one Berkeley sent you sounds perfect for the conditions you fish in.
1: It is, and I love it, but guess what? Those fine people at Berkeley also sent me the 165 slow sinker. See, these baits come in all different variations, you know, they're, they're an articulated swim bait, really cool. Uh, but they come in floaters, slow sinkers and rapid sinkers, and they have both soft and hard models and they're meant for both salt and fresh water. Now the one sixty-five is a one and five, eight ounce, six and a half inch lure, a small bait actually for our friend Marshall, but a huge bait for my box still, still, I got a hog pond where I can go with it. And see if all the talk about seven-pound-plus bass in there are true. I mean, what am I going to throw it with, I thought. Well, I sorted through all my rods and reels, and I've kind of cobbled together an outfit consisting of a a six-and-a-half-foot rod and an old Ambassador 5,000 reel with braided line on it. I mean, the rod's an old rhino rod. I got it in an auction for a dollar, and I originally bought it for catfishing. But I think it's going to handle that big old lure quite well. And then come back here and brag to our listeners.
2: Provided you practice your casting. I don't want you spending your morning picking out backlashes and weaving profanity. I want you to nail a total slob.
0: Okay, I have another lure to report. This isn't a new one, but I bought a 26-piece salesman sample board of Warden's Yakima Bait Company, Charlie Small Worm Assortment. So I love these salesman samples. These are the things when the guy would go into the tackle shop and he would show all the colors. So this board has all the different sizes, and it shows all the colors. And I intended to keep the board intact and hang it on my wall. But when I got it, John, I decided I had to buy a second one so I could take these baits off and fish them. All of these worms are really cool. They're pre-rigged with hooks in there. All the hooks are gold. And the smallest worm is only an inch long with a single hook Then there are some two-inch worms with two hooks in them and a four-inch worm with two hooks. All of these worms are very thin, and they're made from what looks like a a kind of a firmer type of plastisol because they're old. It's not elastic or anything. But these one-inch worms are panfish layers. They're almost like a fishing a fly because they're so small. But they made me wonder why we don't see more of these type of pre-rigged panfish baits, because on these, the reason that they're pre-rigged is the hook. It's a longer shank hook, and it runs the entire length of the one-inch bait. So you've got your eye on one side, and then your barb is coming out the, the end. Um, I'd love to see Z-Man or others create some of these things. I think that these are just going to be amazing on the pond. Even the 4-inch ones are thinner, so you'd be able to get panfish with them or or bass, but I love these kind of innovative things. I don't know why they don't catch on more.
1: It's really hard to tell why a bait catches on and why another one doesn't, but they sound fantastic and uh, I can't wait to make a trip up there and and we'll get together and we'll really really give them a good working over. Okay, well, that sounds fantastic. Uh let me get on with my last thing it is the little z-man flashback mini chatterbait oh i love those they are a lot of fun now z-man is super sweet they, they sent us a whole bunch of di- uh, chatterbaits different sizes and so forth but they they know us they, and they know we like the finesse they know we like the small stuff anyway they're these these little chatterbaits are so much fun now you know how effective a z-man chatterbait is in the, you know the standard power fishing sizes but they make these really hard rocking finesse size chatter baits. I know they sent me some of those too. Well, yeah, of course, of course, of course, of course, of course. Uh, I in fact, I know you even got out with it because you got the eight ounce out and nailed a mega slab bluegill. You got some big honking bluegill in that pond. Uh, <laughs> you did. nailed that thing right out the gate. Now, as for myself, I like to fish this bait on my Mitchell five and a half foot light action rod with an eight-pound trialing XL and my old Zebco spinning reel. It works. Perfect for fishing these bugs. It's just stiff enough and it's a graphite, so I can really feel the action. But I just love these because everything is going to hit them. Bass, of course, but big old bluegills, obviously. Slabby red ears can't get enough of the 116th out size. Now, it may not become a top crappie lure for me, but that may change because in the spring, when crappie feel like chasing and they want a lure that's really moving, that's when I really want to check it out, not in the lazy old summertime. But what I really want to do is get these out where I can fish them for stripes and wipers, and whites, and smallies, and saugers, and walleye, either out on the lake or in the tail race.
2: I have a feeling a drum is going to come along and take you for a ride. It sounds like a perfect lure for them. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. A drummer would gobble these right up. Indeed, Lisa, you're all over it. The point is that I got to get off the pond and into a reservoir at my first opportunity so I can give these a real good test in those conditions. I mean, one has to be careful with this bait. I got to fooling around with pan-sized fish down the test pond one day at lunch. Uh, I mean, the fish were hitting so much. uh, It sounded like kids were swimming in the pond, except there was no screaming and laughing. But the splashes from fish chasing bait up onto the shore and hitting it was just everywhere. And I was having so much fun with my tiny chatterbait. And I put a little 1.5-inch Charlie Brewer paddle tail and motor oil on it. I got so excited, I kept forgetting to check my knot. And after about 20 bass and as many bluegills, I should have
2: known better. That you were making a classic beginner's mistake?
1: Oh yeah, the classic downfall. I felt a little tick, but set the hook on a big girl. That stole your bug away.
0: You told me you screamed so loud your neighbor on the riding mower looked up.
1: Yeah, he did. But he's lived by me for so long he's used to my antics.
2: Don't take it too hard, crappy hippie. The specific lure you fished was the Z-Man Flashback Mini, but Z-Man has several styles of smaller chatterbaits for fishers like you and Tim. Who prefer finesse? There are a number of retailers where you can get a replacement. I love these
0: Z-Man baits too. I've always loved fishing jigs and a bladed jig is even better. And with a small size, you can catch panfish. And these work really great, especially if you have turbid water like I do. We have a lot of muddy water and so it's harder for the fish to see them. And it gives just enough of that vibration for the fish to be attracted and and come close. And I've noticed the panfish go crazy for the sound. Even the little tiny ones that are the same size as the chatterbait, they will chase the thing around. It's like the, the blade just drives them crazy. And uh, often I let it drop down to the bottom and then I rip it up. So I'm fishing it like a jig, but when I rip it up, it gives that sound and then I let it fall down again. And Z Man, they're just the king of chatter baits. And this smaller size is a whole different thing. Like you said, John, we're used to seeing the big ones. But if you fish finesse and ultralight, you have to try out these chatter baits.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I got to confess, I told a lie. Can I do one more, Tim? Can I do one more? Sure. All right. I just got into these here in the past few days, but we got so much great stuff from Catchco in our mystery tackle box. Uh, I got to take out the ExoNed tail from Biospawn.
0: We got several good-looking baits from them in our mystery tackle boxes from Catchco. Like I say, everyone's a winner, baby. That's a fact.
2: Please do not trigger that earworm. It will have crappy hippie mumble singing to himself for days.
1: Yeah, and it might cause me to need treatment at a mental facility, which I definitely do not have time for. Anyway, there was such a generous selection of biospawn baits in my box, and I've got a lot of fishing to do. So was it Ned Tastic? Well, as far as the look and the original intent of the design, yes. It goes on an offset ned and stands straight up and looks fabulous. But, but what? Well, I had more luck fishing it other ways. I actually caught more fish dropping it down with three BB shots.
2: It took three split shots.
1: Yeah, Lucy, it took three babies to get that thing down. I mean, I was surprised, but these fat little fantasy creatures have amazing buoyancy. They remind me of a big old tomato hornworm or a chubby catalpa caterpillar. I mean, it's it's an elastomer type plastic, so it's really tough, and of course, it floats high. And I pulled a page out of your book, Tim. I put a little hook on one once and ran it as a topwater, and even caught a few doing that. Do you think a neko rig would be effective? no i sure do and i tried a texas rig with some success as well see right now the pond lakes you know out here in my side of the midwest are so warm and so full of algae that the bass they're just plain lazy they want a slower moving bait, but one that is moving because they're feeding on all the juvenile fish from the spring spawn and so forth also most waters here are so full of stuff that a long slow bottom hugging ned retrieve can be a bit frustrating I mean, I will sit there and count off between lifts. So the cast takes a minute or two to get in only to find that I've been dragging a piece of moss or grass the whole time, which is really frustrating. That's why there's other rigs I want to try. Now there's one rig I really want to try. Uh, I am completely inter- inexperienced with this rig, but it's high time. I change that.
2: And that rig would be
1: uh, the Jika rig. I mean, I've got all the stuff. I've got wire split rings, weights, and all that stuff. And then on Jimmy Lee's feed. He shows several ways to rig up Jika rigs, large and small, all kinds of ways. I just got to try it. I mean, you fish it slow, move it shallow or deep, but it just keeps that, that bait just out of the goop zone. So you can fish it real slow, like a Ned rig, but you're less likely to get all that disappointment when you find out halfway through your retrieve, your lure's picked up something that probably is turning off your strikes. I mean, this high riding little space bug would be very enticing in a Jika setup. Don't you think? What what does that setup actually look like, John? Well, a Jika is basically you you hang a bell weight or a casting weight or a dipsy, whatever, or or even a, a bullet weight, but whatever you you hang it down. Oh, anywhere from one to six inches off the uh, hook eye. Uh, what you you know, like what Jimmy Lee generally does, he he gets a plastic worm hook. He'll put a split ring on it, then he'll run his weight or the 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 uh monofilament or the piece of wire that he's going to put the weight from onto the split ring and then so it so the weight hangs straight down it's kind of like doing a drop shot and it reminds me of what they used to call an italian drop shot where you you only come up two or three inches off the weight and then put your drop shot hook on like that it's very very similar to that so but the original jikas were made with wire but a lot of guys are saying hey why not just use a heavy piece of mono so the Yeah, you can look it up on the internet. There's a million videos on how to do it all already. Um, And of course, we've already recommended Jimmy's feed. He has tons and tons of tackle hacks. But it's a great bait for fishing close to the bottom, but staying just off the bottom enough that your lure stays clean.
2: It sounds like the way to go to me. What do you think, Tim?
0: I'm all for it. Us dogs got to learn some new tricks, no matter how confident we are in the old ways. I mean, we were around when the Texas rig was a new thing, right, John? I don't want to get left behind, especially when young fishers are ready to share information and everybody's testing out these new things. So I think it's great you're looking at it.
1: Well, okay. I got that all out of my system. Thank you everybody very much for sitting around and letting me do that. But one last thing, one last thing, Tim, you were inspired to do a hack with Al's 49er. Uh, tell us about Tim's 49er hack. Oh,
0: yeah. You know, I was sitting at my desk when I got the Z-Man Chatterbaits. And they sent us a good selection. So I'm looking at them, the different sizes and the way the blades are. And I began to think about how almost all Chatterbaits have either a rubber skirt or a plastic body. Works great. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But I wondered why there aren't more hard bait bladed jigs. And what would me. Be- what made me think of it was, remember when I was fishing, ice fishing at Lake of the Woods last winter, and the Al's Goldfish 49er was my favorite lure. Caught a lot of fish on it, really loved its action. But some of the anglers were having luck with lures that made more noise to attract the fish because the water was cloudy, it was dark, and it was deep. And I had wished at that point that the 49er had some way to make noise, but it's a spoon. You know, the, the uh, remember the 49er itself, is kind of a unique spoon. It looks like you took a piece of metal and if you folded it with a crease lengthwise and then you folded it about a third of the way down. So it's not like any other spoon that I seen. And um, so I looked at that and I took a blade off of the Z-Man Shatterbait. And I- What? did put- <laughs> what? I know, I hated to do it. I hated to do it, but I wanted to test this out. So I put it on a 49er and the bass in the test pond loved it. And it was what you ended up with was the spoon that had this slower wobble that now had this very quick wobble back and forth. So it had the uh, benefits of a metal spoon with features of a bladed jig. So I'm taking a look at, at kind of um, testing this. So I contacted al's goldfish mandy was great she said hey let me send you some more of these out to test in a couple sizes so i can continue what i found was i found a site that sells the blades for um you know for bladed jigs and i'll tell you what john there's so many different sizes and shapes but what i found was it's only about 25 cents per blade so you can turn almost any lure into a bladed jig so There's a lot of shapes and sizes to test, but I think this combo with the ALS 49er is going to be a winner. And I'm hoping that some of my ice fishing buddies test it this year at Lake of the Woods. Cause I think when you bring it down there, even with a minnow on it and you rip it up, I think the sound is going to be enough to attract those fish in, but you still get that big flash that you get from it being a spoon. It
1: just sounds so cool. And I can't wait. And please send me a picture of it as soon as you can. Uh, Very, 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 very good. All right. Well, you got any more to talk about, about testing? Anything no, you want to I, test coming up?
0: Uh, there's always more things to test, but I'll I'll make sure I send some of those out to you so you can test them out your way too. And we'll see what happens with it. Who knows? Maybe Al's will add up to their lineup at some point.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. They call it the, the Timbro. All right. So that's the test for now, but we will be back next month with some more test information on all these wonderful lures. Our good friends in the tackle business has sent us.
0: What in the heck is that?
2: It's a thank you cake.
0: A thank you cake?
2: Yes. Crappy Hippie is having so much fun with the Facebook group you turned him on to that he wanted to show his appreciation.
0: There's no need to thank me. Anyone as nuts as he is about fishing with ultralight gear needs to check out the Ultralight Pan Fishing Facebook group. Wait, are those beers sticking out of the top of the cake?
1: <laughs> yep, a beer for each of us and a tube or three-in-one for Lucy. This here is cake number three. What do you mean number three? Well, the first one I tried baking, I just stuck the beers into the cake batter, poured it into the pan, put it in the oven, and the cans exploded all over the oven. Stupid aluminum
2: cans. Oh, dear.
1: So I decided to prevent that from happening. The next one, I took an old diving helmet, filled it with batter, sunk the beers down in it, then put that into the oven. Did it explode? Nope. But I couldn't get the dang cake out of the helmet. So I set it outside so the bugs and critters could eat all that cake out of there for me. And went out there and looked, and some of the beers were exposed. So I grabbed them and drank them while I cleaned the helmet the rest of the way. Then I had to sneak it back into the antique mall where Kathy has her booth.
2: And cake number three?
1: Oh, I finally wised up and made a cake the old-fashioned way. Then I just carved a couple of beer holders in it with a tin can, laid on the frosting, and look, it's a thank you cake with beer. No tuna? No tuna. No procure minnow scent? Nope. No scents, no dips, no dough bait. Do we need to go count the goldfish in the tank? Oh, damn. I wouldn't cook up our goldfish unless it was a real emergency. Come on, man. Try it. Well, it does look delicious. And I
0: know your daughter's a professional pastry chef, so... Okay, I'll try it.
2: My sensors indicate the cake is of the finest ingredients and executed to perfection.
0: It is really good. The first taste was delicious.
1: Well, thank you, my friends. It took a lot of work and creativity, but one doesn't come across a group like Ultralight Pan Fishing every day.
2: Wait, Tim. My sensors are picking up something else.
1: Huh? Uh, Ow! What? There's a jig in this cake. Surprise!
2: Oh, crappy hippie, you didn't. Yep,
1: I made a filling of fishing lures for the cake. Don't worry, Tim. The hooks are all barbless, and here I got my hemostats right here. No, 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 no! Ouch! Now let's see what did you get? Ooh, a shrimpo! A sh- a shrimpo? I never heard of that. Me neither. I got it off the ultra light pan fishing group, <laughs> they are such an enthusiastic bunch.
2: I'll say, John's post was "What is everyone using for panfish in this hot weather?" and he got eighty nine responses.
1: Yeah, it was great. Made me feel like a million bucks. And I learned about a lot of new bugs, too. New to us lures?
2: Yes. And I compiled some data on favorites as well as how often they are fished. I'd like to share.
0: Oh, Lucy, you know I love that stuff. Don't tell me. Let me guess, okay?
2: No problem, Tim.
0: Okay, this is turning into a lot of fun. Let me schedule a tetanus booster and then open me one of those beers and let's get down to business.
1: Awesome, man. Awesome. You know, Mal, this cake is really good if I do say so myself. Oh, man, it is really good.
2: Tim, you are going to have to help Crappy Hippie. The lure has him by both lips.
0: We could leave him that way.
2: True. We could, and feed him intravenously.
0: Wait, wait, is that a 1.5-inch originally floating Rapala? Hand me those hemostats, Lucy. I gotta have that one for my kit.
1: Oh, 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 wow, wow, wow. Oh, thanks, man. I think I'm going to just eat a little slower and maybe take smaller bites. What do you think? I mean, you did get a good one there. Uh-huh. Uh, that, that raffle, it came up as a choice in more than one of the responses. It's been a favorite of mine for over 50
0: years. There's no school like the old school. Okay, so what else? I see a hook here. Am I just going to have to wiggle that out of the frosting? Hey, another jig. It's a feather jig, I think. Let me suck the frosting off.
2: Way to go, Tim. You didn't hook yourself.
0: It's not a problem, Lucy. One just has to eat like we were having a whole fish, not shoving it in with both hands like you can with a sandwich. It's a game of deliberation and restraint. But what sort of jig is this? It's a very basic tie.
1: Well, they're nicknamed flu flu jigs, and they are a jig designed to be fished with a trailer, either a live minnow or a maggot or a worm. And instead of a chenille body in the design, it just uses a thread collar. So that leaves a good bite of hook shank for holding on your trailer bait, whether it's live or plastic. So you can thread it on rather than just lip hooking. Exactly. What sort of feathers are on the
2: tail? They appear to be hen hackle bunches. But as the bait is still covered in a lot of buttercream, I will need to get to Shields and check them out in person. Then I will come back to the workshop and John can tie us our own version.
0: I don't think I can wait for John to tie for us. He barely has time to talk about jigs. I'm going with you to get a few for my kit so I can try them now. Mainly, though, I need to ride along because I'm still not ready for you to go out driving on your own.
2: Oh, Tim, you're such a dad. But let's wait until cake time is over. I feel that leaving Crappy Hippie alone at this point might not be a good idea. See, he already has an assortment of inline spinners stuck between his teeth.
0: You're right. It would be unwise to go right now.
1: One hour later.
0: Wow, you sure managed to get a lot of bugs in our cake. I've laid them all out on
1: this cookie sheet.
2: Where shall we start?
0: How about with the first one that hooked me? What's it called? A a shrimpo? It sounds like one of the Marx brothers.
2: Yeah, a really short one. The little guy who went to sea and was never in the films.
0: There's a lot to love about this tiny lure. First of all, Conventional wisdom says plastic tails should not extend into the hook bend. And yet, when you're imitating a shrimp, it makes perfect sense to thread the tail on so it curves around the bend so it looks like a shrimp.
1: You know, and I'm in love with the flat-eye jig head. It allows you to fish the shrimp bow vertically or to tie it above a weight or a 90-degree jig and let it, you know, hang off horizontally on the
2: line. The sizes show that the folks at CustomJigs.com are not messing around. The big one is a 132nd ounce on a number 6 hook. Then comes a 150 ounce on a number 8, and finally a tiny but deadly 1100th one ounce on a number 10 hook.
1: Of course, when one sees a bait for vertical jigging presentations, one instantly thinks ice fishing.
0: But I could also swing that tiny shrimpo for trout with my fly rod.
2: Fishing a plastic jig with a fly rod? The fly angling purity league cannot hear of this. When crappy hippie suggested slathering a muddler minnow in crawfish dip, They caught up with him at the border and confiscated his fly rod and all his flies.
0: I think our listeners have my back on this one. And you can scan the tackle shop every day for electronic surveillance, right?
1: Affirmative. Yeah, I think we're good. We have the Facebook group of alternative fly tying materials as allies. Well, it's definitely worth the risk. These things are trout candies like I have never seen before.
2: Custom jigs and spins also makes the flu flu jig. From what I've seen on the blogs, this jig
1: is ubiquitous in terms of style. So now any jig tied in this fashion is called a flu flu.
0: What I like about these is that they show a bit of that common sense navet that leads to a stroke of genius. It looks to me like a Fisher got tired of getting their minnow robbed when it was lip hooked on a traditional chenille body jig and they went home and they made a bug where they could thread the worm or the minnow onto the hook shank
1: yeah i think you're on it all the way there tim i mean heck they didn't even use a collared hook which is what is traditionally used for a tail of this type i mean they really wanted a lot of straight shaft room on this thing and tail is just a nice big pinch of hen hackle Tied on, standard round jig head with no collar, like I said, with just a few turns of red thread to form a slight gill accent, uh, a little bit of color up there. They, they generally have red on all of them. Super simple. And according to several anglers in the pan fishing group, super effective.
2: Not necessarily a big pinch. These bugs are size for panfish, And once again, worlds collide and we find ourselves with a jig that comes in size 116th for slab crappy and red ears down to 164th for bluegill and trout. There, did you hear it? The trout and panfish worlds have collided.
1: I did hear it. I don't think we
2: can
0: really separate lures for trout and panfish on this show. It's not so much a collision, but an overlap. Clearly, trout and panfish forage preferences are similar, and we like to fish for both, so it's great to hear about all these jigs that are new to me.
2: Since trout have become inextricably woven into this conversation, there is a Trout Park classic that also made this list quite a number of times. The
1: Bugger Jig? The Spider Jig?
2: Those both made the list, but were not near as popular as this lure based on the old shed dart from the 50s. The, the
1: Trout, trout magnet. magnet!
2: Indeed. It is a hugely popular lure for bluegill and so forth. There is a bigger version known as the Crappy Magnet, but nothing beats a Trout Magnet in a 132nd to 164th size for trout or slab sunfish.
1: Okay, I could talk about jigs all day, but let's let's going to keep this thing moving uh, quickly because there is a ton of lures here to meet anyone's needs.
0: And we recognize that some are not as fanatical about jig fishing as we are.
2: Okay, let's rock it. My next find is the Cubby Mini Mite, the jig in a tube. Why is it in a tube? I am not sure. I'm thinking
1: it's elastomer plastic, Lucy, and that's why they put it in a tube. It needs to be isolated from other plastic tails.
2: It does have a long and thin fish tail on it. It looks like a bait that attracts at any speed.
0: And some nice ribbing that provides action and could also hold any applied sense that you might put on it.
2: Oh, I am down with those and
0: I got to get some. This piece is a dream come true. I love finding out about new baits and I am boiling with bug fever. This has turned into a great excuse to shop
1: till I drop.
2: We are not done yet, Tim. John, tell us your next favorite.
1: Okay, another one we're going to move through these real quick. Another one that I really, really love is the Dynamax jig. Now, these are a regional bait, and they can be really hard to find. It is said that the creator of the Dynamax, tie used to make these in a little bait shop called Bates Baits down in Mayflower, Arkansas. Legend has it, he named them after his kids, Dana and Max. It's a thread neck micro jig that uses silicone strands and crystal flash in the tail. I actually have one of these in the 164th ounce size
2: which is good because my research shows they are extremely hard to find. The creator passed away, and no one else has taken up the reins.
0: How did you get one, crappy hippie?
1: Well, this is crazy, but our chief field tester, Todd Bertie Bertzel, was fishing the docks at a local reservoir on a winter day, and there was a guy selling them there. And Bertie said he was doling them out by the handful as fast as he could. Uh, everybody wanted some. Anyway, Todd knew that I'd want to see it for design reasons, so he got one and gave it to me. Of course, I'm never going to use it, at least not until I find time to make my satisfactory lead-free knockoff.
0: The chromed head on these is really what makes them special. It's a perfect accent to the rest of the tie, no matter what color combinations you use. Okay, it's my turn. And the next jig off the tray is the mule jig. You are looking at a 164-ounce shroom head. Micro-ned fishing. Are all of my dreams coming true? These are also made with a secret alloy that is less than 5% lead. Their horsefly tail or the minnow tail are both outstanding looking tails. Where's my credit card? I need to get more of these.
2: Oh, no. Mule Jigs is out of stock.
1: Oh, no. Lucy, would you please set up an in-stock notification for those? We just got to have some for the shop.
2: Okay, two more. Then we are moving on. I like the Keystone Jig. It is a regular jig with a tiny plastic minnow as a tail. It is small enough for those big bluegill that feed on minnows in addition to insects. And for crappy and pan size bass, it is a true winner. The designer is named Joe Rinoski, and they are sold as Rinoski minnows by several outlets. Or you can find a link to Joe's Reno Bake Company and all the rest of the jigs we talked about in the show notes.
1: Okay, and finally, 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 I promise this is it, but I can't get out of this thread until I mention homemade jigs. The good old spider leg jig was a favorite. The standard white jig with a red accent was ever popular. Bucktail and hackle collar jigs also have their proponents, and of course, your regular chenille body jigs. Now, uh, the fun of jig tying is you can match the demands of your area and also get creative and try new things and search out new ways to get the bite to happen.
0: Oh boy, now it's time for the guessing game. You know how I love contests involving statistics.
2: Okay, Tim, I compiled some stats on how many times a different lore or lure type was recommended. If you win, I will buy ribs for dinner and why you and crappy hippie eat. I will also approximate eating in my own way by grinding the bones into meal for the compost.
0: And if I lose?
2: You are suspended from the ultralight pan fishing group for a year and have to wear the pan fishing pinhead cap whenever you go fishing during that time.
0: Whoa, dude, Lucy is being really serious. Hey, it's not a game without risk and reward. But if I win, I want a full slab with onion rings.
2: And some burn ends on the side. Okay, Tim, here we go. It was unexpected to see how many anglers go to small hard baits when the weather heats up. Which of these hard baits was the most popular? The Rebel Teeny Craw. The Rebel Cricket Hopper. The Rapala Original. The Micro Square Bill.
0: I'm going to guess the Rebel Cricket Hopper.
2: It was a Rebel Teeny Craw.
0: Dang it, and I have some Teeny Craws in my box, too.
1: Yeah, but who could pass by that Rebel Cricket Hopper?
2: Now for question two. Which one of these soft baits was chosen most? Charlie Brewer. Cubby Mighty Might. Mr. Twister Grub.
0: I'm going with the Cubby Mighty Might. I just have a feeling about them. (coughs) Way to go, Pa Bro! I took a chance because I have some in a box I bought a while back. I haven't even used one, but if the group is that taken with them, I need to get them into my active box.
2: Next question. Now please tell me, which craw was most popular, the hard or soft bait version?
0: You know me, soft
1: plastics rule.
2: Sorry Tim, but not this time.
1: Whoa dude, this is getting really serious.
2: A surprising number of pan anglers rely on inline spinners. Which one was the favorite of the group? Meps. Joe Fly. Blue Fox Vibrax. Rooster Tail. Panther Martin.
1: Ooh, which one are you going to go with, Maps or Panther
2: Martin? You know what? I, I, I'd go with Maps.
0: Then I guess Panther Martin.
2: Sorry, bound minions, but it was Rooster Tail, which got as many votes as all the others combined.
1: Crappy hippie, what are you doing?
2: Oh, just looking to
1: see if pinhead hats come with ear flaps, you know, for cold weather.
2: And meeting the laughter of bystanding anglers.
0: Hey, it's not over till it's over. Next question.
2: Several flies were mentioned in the responses. Which one of these had the most votes in the group? Rubber leg spider, poppers, hoppers, nymphs.
0: John Garrick, forgive me if I get this wrong, but I'm going with the hopper.
1: A daring choice. This might be the toughest category of all. But I'm
0: sticking with my answer. I like poppers, but there's nothing like a hopper in the summertime.
2: You are correct. You can tie it up with the next question. Which of these attractants or trailers was the most popular? Crappy nibs. Gulp minnows. Gulp crickets. Gulp waxies. Maggots and waxies. Worm bits.
0: It's got to be gulp minnows. I've had so many great outings with those.
2: You know something, Tim?
1: I'm having a hard time finding the little ones anywhere. Everybody likes a gulp something, but especially the minnows. They can't even keep them in stock around here. Go for it, Tim. Go for it. Gulp minnow? Final answer.
2: Sorry, Tim, but the nibs have it. Gulp and Gulp Alive were very popular. Their crickets and waxies also got a good response, but none could top the crappy nib. You have to get this one or you are out. There were two big winning brand name lures. Which one was the most popular? The rooster tail or the beetle spin? Now don't try to outthink her, Tim. Go with what you know.
0: I can't help it. She's so good at tricking us
1: with the obvious. Don't do it, man. Our number one is in every box out there. This isn't a guess. The answer is in your heart. Let your 10 year old self speak. Oh, Beetle spin.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, baby.
2: Well done, Tim. Because you answered correctly, I'm posing an extra question. If you get it, you still have a chance to leave here a winner. Otherwise, you're getting measured for your new hat. And Crappy Hippie, no help from you. Bonus question. Several people picked certain beetle tail colors they liked. What beetle spin tail color was mentioned most?
0: Crappy Hippie has mentioned a favorite beetle spin color, and for once it was not black, chartreuse, or black and chartreuse. Let, Let me think. It was, it was, what was it? It
1: was white with a red dot. Way to go, bro. Well, now what, Lucy? It's four up. We got to get a clear winner here. I'm ready for some down-home Casey-style ribs.
2: Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Here is a tiebreaker. What category of lures was the most popular choice, spinners or jigs?
0: I'm saying jigs two to one over anything else. Two to one? You heard me.
2: If you don't make the math, you lose the prize.
0: No threat or promise will dissuade me from my answer. I am going with my and Crappy Hippie's favorite lure, Jigs.
2: Is it Jigs 2 to 1?
0: Yeah! God bless the panfishers. I can taste those ribs now.
2: Jigs outscored Inline Spinners, the second most popular category, 33 to 14. One-third of all respondents use jigs with or without a trailer in hot weather. There is one other item that I want to talk about, so here is a bonus question for you. If you guess it, I will get a six-pack of Modelo Negra to go with your dinner. What is a head?
0: That's a character from the old Archie comics.
2: That's true, but out of context. You still get a six for being clever, but I am downgrading you to Jenny Light.
0: If it has alcohol in it, I'm fine with it.
2: That was the expected response. John, will you please fill us in on what a jug head is used for in the hands of a fisher?
1: Sure, Lucy. I mean, this was another new one on me. What a jug head is and originally was designed to do is to be placed ahead of a dead bait. So, and, and they were devised for salt water. So you would take, oh, a needlefish or, you know, just name something used for bait in salt water and you would thread the jug head onto your line, tie on the hook. And then put on the bait and then the jughead would cause the bait to swim in a natural motion well people started using them in fresh water and started using them even with uh plastic baits and so on and so this gentleman on the on the feed his favorite way was to find the tiniest jughead he'd get his hands on and then use that little one inch or two inch gulp alive minnow with it and just retrieve it real slow it sounds like a killer way to get after fish
0: it's another cool intersection between Natural baits and lures. You know, a lure made to look alive due to a swimming motion, dead bait with a jug head. It's a method that imparts lure action to a a dead bait by using that plastic lip to give it a little bit of a a wiggle, a lip bait with real meat for a body.
2: And so with Gulp Plastic from Berkeley, we go full circle with a plastic that is trying to do everything possible to replicate a natural minnow. In essence, plastic dead bait, if you will. And some ingenious angler has found a jughead small enough to take a one-inch gulp or gulp a live minnow and make it all work on panfish.
1: Guess what? It looks like we've come full circle in terms of the show, too. I think we crammed in enough material for one session. If we start getting metaphysical about the fuzzy line between natural baits and artificial, it'll be another hour or two before we get out of here. So everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you to all the folks that responded in the ultralight pan fishing group. Thank you to all our fun lure companies that work with us on the show, but especially back to it. Thank you all for listening and bringing your ears on over here to us and letting them fill them up with lure talk. In the meantime, hit that like smash that follow and please leave us a nice review. If you get a chance and do come on back here in September, because one of our stories is going to be on a little indie micro-jig company down in the Ozarks in the 80s that set the whole region on fire within an exacting and effective pattern that doesn't use thread in the tie. No thread in the hand-tied jig? How is that possible? Please get to that piece so I can read it.
2: Will do, Podbro, but in the meantime... Ponder the ever-pertinent question.
0: Why buy one lure when you can buy 103?
1: Lure love you, been. lures to tie to the end of my line More love can't I make you see why buy five lures when you can buy a hundred and